Hello and welcome to the JavaScript for WordPress show. I'm educator Zach Gordon, and in this show, I talk with influencers in the field of JavaScript for WordPress, asking them about their experience learning JavaScript and their recommendations for others trying to do the same. Now, I am very excited to have on the guests that I do today because unlike some of our first guests, guests getting the show going, um, I haven't had a chance to get to know this person personally yet or as a friend, but I've definitely seen his work out there because he is out there teaching folks JavaScript and vanilla JavaScript, so fundamental stuff, how the uh, DOM works, how to work with HTTP requests, really knowing how to troubleshoot and things like that, and transitioning from a world of jQuery where you're kind of getting by with copying and pasting, really into understanding how stuff works. So without further ado, let me welcome onto the show here, Chris, say hello. Hey everyone, it's great to be here. Zach, thanks so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about this. Uh, me as well. So Chris, you have some development background, you have some um, education and kind of teaching and writing background, but tell us a little bit about Chris outside of that world before we yeah, get going. Absolutely, that'd be great. So um, I love pirates. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, I live out in the boonies near some horse farms. Um, I Whereabouts run... in the world is that? Oh, so I'm, um, I'm in Massachusetts, about an hour ah, south of okay. Boston. Yeah, um, just farms everywhere. It's awesome. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I, uh, I run a business with Bailey, my rescue dog. And um, uh, she actually came from my first, first web development client. So that's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Uh, Animal Rescue. And um, yeah, oh, and I love Pixar. Absolutely obsessed with Pixar movies. Uh. Yeah. Are you into the animation or more just watching them? And uh, it's the stories. They just tell really good stories. Well, we could go toe to toe on some Pixar quotes, I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Uh, let's Absolutely. go back in our JavaScript time machine. Chris, could you <laughs> tell me your first lines of JavaScript? Do you remember what they were in the context for that? I, I think so. So if, if we get past just the copy, paste, and pray from Stack Overflow um, into like something I actually authored myself. Um, it was right around the time that I decided I wanted to actually understand how JavaScript worked. Mm -hmm. um, and I was getting really frustrated with the fact that I would copy paste stuff and half the time, 90% of the time it wouldn't work or it wouldn't work the way I wanted it to. And I had no idea why. When it did work, I had no idea why. Um, so I started writing what eventually became um, my uh, Houdini accordion plugin. Um, at the time, it was a jQuery plugin. It was about 12 lines of code. Um, but it was really just me trying to understand how the DOM worked, how at that point, I didn't even really understand how jQuery or jQuery functions worked. Um, so it was, it was a, a basic um, click event listener and then you know do a couple things. So basically toggling a class on and off when the And something that click happens. if you start from nowhere to learn that with jQuery is a huge mm -hmm. accomplishment. And it's not just a mm -hmm. one line, you know, it's still a little bit of logic involved, but to go from that mm -hmm. to JavaScript. Now I'm curious, what really compelled you? Were you working at the time and just had some time available to really dedicate to this or did it become an, a hindrance on what you were trying to accomplish that you didn't know enough? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm self-taught. I um, I have a degree in anthropology. I have a degree in human resources because I decided I didn't want to be an anthropologist when I grew up. Um, so I was working in HR for a little while, um, doing training. I had an HR blog. Um, I used to tinker around with the CSS and WordPress, just trying to. I actually, had, I had taken um, Chris. So Chris Coyer from CSS Tricks. Oh yeah, big fan. Had this awesome kind of getting started with WordPress. Digging thing. into and WordPress. I, so I had taken that. I had modified the heck out of it. And um, I, I, uh, I kept wanting to do more. And the more I played with it, I was like, you know, this is a lot more interesting than, than human resources work. This is what I <laughs> want to be when I grow up. Um, so I, um, I kind of started pursuing, uh, doing some web development stuff within the HR space, um, kind of building some training stuff, um, training websites and experimental learning mm. stuff. And, uh, and I decided I really wanted to make the leap into being a web developer. And every time I'd go out on interviews or I'd look at job descriptions, they always wanted someone who understood JavaScript or at the very minimum, they wanted someone with some jQuery experience. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I'd find I, I sucked at design too much to be a designer. <laughs> I really, I had a really like great appreciation well, for design. Not good enough at design, gonna have to learn JavaScript. Did, huh? <laughs> did more development than they were looking for in a pure play designer, but not enough for what they were looking for in a pure play web developer. And at the time, 
this kind of weird in between like UX designer role that seems to be more prevalent today didn't yeah. exist. Yeah, um, that's true. The idea of being a guy who could kind of translate between um, kind of these two worlds was foreign. So they, I decided if I wanted to do this, I had to learn more JavaScript. And so that's what really set me out on this path. It was one of those, I, I wanted to break into the field and I just, I needed something to, to show beyond like some CSS modules. Um, wow, that is fascinating and an unexpected uh, story, you know? And I think though a lot of people out there are in fields where their mm -hmm. fingers are in the web and customizing mm -hmm. some WordPress with CSS and, and playing around in writing and have probably given thought to what you're trying to do. Now, was this, what, what time span did this take for you to go through enough learning that you got to where you're going? And then we'll kind of backtrack and talk a little bit about some of the specific steps just so, for others that might be in a similar position. Yeah. So depending on how you want to count it, it either took one year or five years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I spent the first four years just tinkering around in WordPress for fun. I wasn't particularly serious about it beyond just like, oh, I want to change the color palette that Chris put into this kind of theme that I'm using, or um, I want to add some content over here. Um, uh, from the time that I decided I really wanted to be a web developer to when I actually broke into the field was somewhere between a year and 18 months, about a year, year and a half. Wow. Okay. Um, so let's zoom into that time period and look mm -hmm. a little bit about um, yeah. where, what was kind of your background knowledge coming in? How much mm -hmm. was jQuery helping? And, and then we'll, I'm curious, like exactly how you approach learning vanilla JavaScript, because there are some resources in one way, but there aren't a ton in another. So I'm curious what your path was like during that, that year, 18 month yeah, period. Yeah, ab absolutely. So, um, uh, let's see. So where, um, where best to start with this? So I, um, uh, because I had an HR background and actually my focus during my last kind of couple of years in HR was specifically on learning and development for engineers, um, primarily okay. software engineers. So I had a little bit of an inside track. I used to specifically coach them on career development, how to find your next job, how to write a better resume, all that sort of thing. So I kind of took what I knew there and applied it to my own wanting to make this career change. And one of the first things I did was I just did a massive search of job descriptions, not even to actively apply to any of them, but just to get a sense for what sort of skills I would be expected to have if I wanted to move into some of the roles I thought I might want. Brilliant. Um, so, so that was one piece of it. The other piece was reaching out to um, some people that I admired and um, asking them a little bit more about their background, what sorts of skills they felt were essential for them being successful in their role, kind of stuff they do day to day, which really helped me kind of figure out where I wanted to end up. Um, and then I used that to come up with a little bit more of a focused plan on how I kind of moved forward. Um, but uh, the, the JavaScript piece actually, um, that one didn't really, the, the fact that I needed to know that didn't really surface until I started doing some actual interviews hmm. and just getting completely beaten up over the JavaScript stuff. Um, oh man, a bad JavaScript the, interview question will make you feel like I, what do I not know about this? And, and you know, like, honestly, they weren't even like really tough. Like if I look back on them now, they were just, they were basic questions. They just highlighted the fact that like, and I never hid this on my resume, but they just, they, they highlighted the fact that I had no idea how JavaScript worked. So, um, so I actually, because I have no computer science background and limited experience with JavaScript prior to this, I didn't find the jQuery documentation particularly useful at mm. this phase in my learning. Right now, I think they're some of the best documentation you can find around a, a library or framework. And it's one of the reasons why I think so many people gravitate to jQuery over vanilla JS, because there's not really any good yeah. documentation for vanilla stuff. But um, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of Googling, honestly. Um, <laughs> I'd find tutorials, CSS tricks comes up constantly. Whenever you search for how to do X, um, that was a lot of my go-to. When I couldn't find stuff just through Googling, I'd turn to Stack Overflow, um, which is a hit or miss experience because sometimes you get some really good information. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you ask a question and you get some really helpful people. Other times you get noob shamed um, for asking <laughs> do a search before you ask this. And it's like, I did a search. I didn't understand <laughs> what they were saying. Like, and I asked to follow up and nobody responded. Like I could really use some help here. Um, 
so yeah, so it was a lot of that. It was a lot of trial and error. Um, and then what really kind of rocketed me forward was um, one day I stumbled across, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Todd Motto. He's based out of the UK. Oh yeah, big fan of him. He's now yeah. huge in Angular, but at the time he was more jQuery vanilla JavaScript focused. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, Interesting. And he, um, I stumbled upon some of his stuff. I started interacting with him on Twitter. I think I sent him an email and um, he, um, he was already working in web development and, you know, he was interacting with people a lot more, getting a lot of like actual in-person feedback on stuff. And he, um, not in any sort of formal way, but he almost kind of mentored me. He started ripping apart my code. I asked him questions. He'd be like, Oh, this sucks. And here's why, or this is what you're doing wrong. Um, so yeah, Todd was honestly instrumental wow. in my transition from not knowing what I was doing to becoming a, a successful JavaScript developer. Um, Shout out to you, Todd. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell everybody that like Todd, Todd was awesome. He's since moved on to Angular and that's a world that I don't really kind of play in. Um, but he, you know, he continues to be just kind of this guy that whenever I'm, I'm stuck on stuff, um, he's just such an awesome resource. Wow. And, uh, and then beyond that, it was honestly, it was just like, so I figured out the, the accordion thing and I was like, all right, so what can I learn next? And then I just started like coming up with all these projects and throwing them up on GitHub. Um, just as like a, okay, I wrote this code. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, just as a place to dump and also to learn Git because I didn't know Git at the time. Um, and yeah. And then at some point people started poking holes in my code being like, this is broken on this browser and here's why, uh. here's how you fix it. Um, so that helped a lot. Um, I don't think everybody has that experience with open source. Um, and now that I have bigger projects, that's definitely not my experience on open source. <laughs> Um, but, um, but yeah, so it was just, it was a lot of honest and, and Wes talks about this a little bit with his JavaScript 30 program where like the best way to learn is just to write a lot of code, like screw up a whole bunch. Yeah. Keep going. Um, I learned how to debug from screwing up a whole bunch and trying to figure out, um, you know, like why, um, at the time I didn't even know that console log was a thing. So I was alerting everything. Like oh, yeah. you just, you learn a ton from starting from scratch. Um, I know some people like to kind of like take other people's stuff and reverse engineer it like the view source approach. And that's useful too. But, um, for me, just kind of like trying to build something from nothing was, uh, was really helpful. So at what point during this process did you begin documenting it into kind of your guides that you have available? It sounds like you were doing mm -hmm. a lot of projects, just trying to figure out this yourself. Um, yeah. And when, when did you become employed or employable uh, through this, this process of, were you building like several JavaScript projects and really doing that mm -hmm. before you felt comfortable or... Um, did those happen once you were already kind of working in the field? No. So what, um, so what happened was I must have had maybe half a dozen projects up on GitHub and I had been kind of continuing to iterate them. One of the things I found most frustrating when I was trying to learn was the lack of documentation on most open source projects. So you find something that looks promising mm -hmm. and it's usually got some description like just open up terminal, run NPM install and you're up and running. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I don't even know what that means. And, and so like, for me, like the word just or simply, they're like, they're, they're the worst things you can say to a developer or a beginner because it makes them feel like complete idiots. And it's not their fault. Like you're just, you're not there yet. Um, so, um, so I started really documenting my code. Um, both in the code itself and then like writing really robust documentation on the readme itself. Um, and I'd say when I was maybe like half a dozen projects in and I had the documentation in place, that's when I started getting more interviews because now I had a portfolio of stuff I'd built that I could talk to. Mm -hmm. um, this is when I started getting asked like the real JavaScript questions that I started getting really beat up over and being like, oh, like the imposter syndrome hit hard. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing here. And I was always very candid about that. Um, I had one guy tell me, and I thought this was really weird. I had, I had one interviewer um, at a, a rather well-known WordPress development firm tell me that I over-document my code. Hmm. Um, okay. yep. And uh, he's like, you have like documentation on every line you've written. And I was like, well, yeah, because someone who doesn't know what they're doing picks this up. I want them to know like what I did and why. 
Um, so I, I thought that was really weird. I continue to do that to this day and I still get a lot of um, good feedback on it. I was feeling bad one, but um, it took me maybe like 12 months of doing that to leave the company I was at working in an HR capacity and move into a, an actual web development role. I had actually lived wow. for web development roles internally, but the company I was at at the time, um, makes sense. Yep. they were, um, they were a data storage company. Um, they made things that kind of powered the web, but they weren't really doing stuff with the web. So, you know, they had, they had kind of their marketing site and whatever, but they outsourced most of that work. Um, yeah. So I ended up, um, I ended up going to work for constant contact for about um, six months. Okay. They were awesome. They have one of the best learning cultures of any company I've ever worked at. I can um, imagine that just from their public facing onboarding that, uh, yeah, that might yeah. be. They have like just the informal, like their engineering team does these informal Friday lunch and learns where people share the cool stuff they're making. Cool. Um, that exposed a whole bunch of holes in my knowledge too. So that was really, that was really cool. And you're working with a team of people who are just constantly giving you feedback, helping you work through stuff. Um, that's where I really learned how to debug. Um, there was uh -huh. this fantastic software engineer there. She, um, she, anytime I get stuck, she'd come over and really just kind of work through you know, here's, here's how you programmatically do stuff. You can actually kind of pause J the jQuery or the JavaScript as it's running and look at what's happening and like dig in. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I, I kind of grew into my own. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been a much nicer experience after that. The, um, so the guides, those are a very recent thing. Um, I had primarily been focused on just kind of every time I learned something new, I just write a blog post about it. Um, and I recently hit a point where I realized I just, I have such a, I've come so far from where I started and I've had so much help. Hmm. And most of what I know is just scattered randomly across open source projects and blog articles that are broken up over years of time. Um, so I thought it might be helpful for people to pull that all together in one place, um, do something that was a little bit more programmatic than just, you know, like uh, an article here, okay. an article there. Cause one of the things I found really difficult was I spent like dozens of hours trying to pull together resources from a bunch of different, mm -hmm. different places and, and kind of build my own curriculum. Um, and having something that was kind of all combined in one place would have been really helpful. Yeah, I, I completely hear that. And I've spent my last year kind of doing similar, but different and in the same. And it is there, there are some deep resources if you're fine with reading jQuery documentation or the Mozilla JavaScript reference and that's all you need. Yeah. But yeah, pulling it all together is tricky. I'm, I'm curious to go, go back to that employment. Okay. Were you, mm -hmm. um, when during this time working, was this a general web developer? Was this a JavaScript specific one? And then I'm curious too about mm. your thoughts on the landscape of working as a JavaScript developer within just the WordPress ecosystem, or mm -hmm. is it still kind of a more general, you know, a little bit of JavaScript, a little bit of this, a little bit of mm -hmm. that? Yeah, no, that, that's, that's totally fair. So I am... I, uh, so at Constant Contact, I was a, um, a generalist front-end developer. So I worked with CSS, HTML, JavaScript. Um, they, um, you know, sometimes it was going in and kind of making some changes to the, the markup behind their, their application. But it was mostly working on this, um, uh, almost like, a, like an internal version of, it, it wasn't actually Bootstrap, but, you know, they had kind of their own internal mm -hmm. framework that they were using. Gotcha, um, yep and actively developing. It was a newer thing for them. Um, so I spent a lot of time either fixing broken stuff or adding features to, um, you know, to this framework, cool. um, which allowed me to bring in, um, I think I actually brought in a couple of my open source projects and kind of ported them into the environment. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was definitely in a generalist capacity. Um, when I left there, I went to work for a company called Mashery who does API management software. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, also working in a generalist capacity, but um, about a year, no, actually, I guess it was like three years ago now. So five years ago, I started doing some, some, oh my God, it's been, my dog is getting old now. She's like six, <laughs> seven years old. So it was about seven years ago when I was still playing around with WordPress, I started helping um, the animal rescue where I got my dog Bailey from kind of fix their website. Cause I had something that looked like it was out of 1999. Um, and it was all static HTML files that they required that they relied on their, at the time she was called a webmaster to like push the files up via FTP. Oh, for wow. them. I was like, yeah. I was like, they had a blog that was powered by WordPress and it was self-hosted, but the rest of the site wasn't. I was like, you know, we could like, 
really spruce this up. So, um, so I started doing some stuff for them. And then um, maybe about a, two, three years ago, I decided I, I wanted to do more, more freelance stuff, just like in a more dedicated fashion. And for me, WordPress is the platform that I know, I love. I know there's a lot of stuff you, you can hate on with WordPress, but it does so many things right. It's just so Haters flexible, hate, man. so accessible. Um, and I mean, to be fair, there are some valid criticisms of WordPress, <laughs> but I think the good outweighs the bad in, in so many ways. It's just such an accessible platform in a way that like Angular is terrifying if you're not comfortable with web development, um, if you're new to the development world. And the documentation with jQuery, the community just makes it so much easier to get, get started and get involved. And I think that's a really great thing. So um, yeah, so I started freelancing. Um, doing WordPress development, um, definitely focused on JavaScript with, um, with the WordPress uh, kind of consulting and freelancing stuff. Um, gonna work with some really cool clients, um, most notably Harvard Business School. Um, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, yeah, I, they're, they're honestly, they're one of my favorite clients. They're so cool to work for. Um, just a really great team over there. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, so, so the, um, the JavaScript and WordPress, it's a little, it's a little interesting to work with JavaScript and WordPress um, for a couple of reasons. Um, the big one for me is where I, at some point, transitioned from jQuery to just basic, vanilla, plain, un, you know, unendorned JavaScript. Um, and WordPress as an environment is heavily dependent on jQuery. Um, mm -hmm very much in the dashboard, but on the front end, it's tough to get away from it because so many plugins use it. Yeah. And, um, and that's not to say you have to, you know, use jQuery when you do it, but, um, you know, like for me, I had spent a lot of time, like Harvard's a great example, right? Like I had spent a lot of time working with them on performance best practices and really optimizing their site for load time. And I'd gotten them down to around, um, you know, on a cable connection, one second, um, start render and you have usable content and you can start using the site. And there was still, you know, stuff would load a little later than that. But if you were a user, it looked like the page was ready at about a you know, thousand milliseconds in. Yeah. Then you start adding some plugins that add some really great functionality and they load jQuery and WordPress jQuery always loads in the header. So that defers the rendering of the page. And then um, the way the WP NQ script function works, the default is to load your script in the header too, even if it doesn't need to be. So you have a whole bunch of scripts getting loaded that use document ready, but then load up in the header. And it's like, well, if you're waiting for the documents to load, just load them in the footer anyways. And this is where I think you actually, you know, so you get into some of the valid criticisms of WordPress, like load in yeah. the footer should be default. I understand sure. why it's not, but most scripts that load don't need to run in the header. They don't run in the header because they're deferring them until the document is ready. Um, so, you know, I end up spending a lot of time now when I work with WordPress clients trying to I don't want to say override plugins, but like I, you know, I have now like a set of plugins I bring in that help fix some of the performance worst practices that WordPress kind of necessarily forces on, on wow. people. Um, things like, you know, not minifying your scripts. Like, well, that's, you know, that's part of the, the codex. Like they actually require, if you're going to host a, a plugin in the public repository, it either can't be minified or you need to provide an unminified version too. And I get why you want people to be able to work with yeah. the source code. Um, but that's really bad for performance. <laughs> You've got a whole bunch of like massive files that could be a lot smaller. You're loading them all in the header and, you know, and they're all loading separately because of the plugin environment. Um, exactly. Yep. It's so, big one. you know, so now I spend a lot of my time when I'm doing WordPress work, um, kind of optimizing for performance around stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that that's such a huge one because you could, on one hand, be really winning with learning cool new JavaScript, and on the other hand, crush a page load just mm -hmm. to, you know, not usable and definitely yeah. not production, you know, performant ready. And that's a mm -hmm. really, really hard thing, especially even if you know some jQuery, you have a ton of plugins, maybe you could minify some things, maybe you know that, maybe you could compress mm -hmm. them, um, and that could help but there's so much um, in there besides that. And on top of that, uh, you yeah. know, along with it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some fair points. Yeah. I mean, the good news is just for anybody who's watching this, who's, who's curious. So the, the thing I've figured out over the last couple of years is um, 
But so like when I build personal sites, I like I go nuts. So like I'm serving a minified version prefix hyper cached file that gets loaded in the footer and is lazy loaded because I'm checking to make sure that mm. my modern vanilla JavaScript APIs are even supported by the browser before I bother loading it. Just so that person who's on an old feature phone doesn't have to load a file that they're not even going to use. But for the average like client, that's just not a tenable way to use things because you know they're gonna they're gonna load plugins that's just that's yeah. the beauty of wordpress but there are some really great plugins that will do all of the all of the performance best practices for you so like my personal favorite is minq um okay. hasn't been updated in like four years which always makes people really nervous because they've got that like angry you know like warning on there but um sometimes a plugin hasn't been updated because it continues to work really well and there's nothing else to WordPress add WordPress hasn't broken it and it still and, does what and it does, yeah. MinQ is one of those. Like it doesn't throw any errors. If you run kind of your, um, you know, like a, a PHP debugger or WordPress debugger, it's not throwing any errors. And it does some really important things. It minifies all your scripts for you. It'll combine them all into a single file. Um, it doesn't change where they load. So like files in the header are still going to load in the header and files in the footer are still going to load in the footer. But it's really, um, I've tried about eight different plugins that do this. And MinQ is my, including ones that have been updated very recently. MinQ is my favorite because it really um, preserves um, the, the dependency chains. So, you know, like in, in WordPress NQ script, you can specify what's dependent on what. And WordPress smartly loads things in the right order a lot of plugins will just completely clobber that and just combine everything in whatever order they want and or whatever order kind of the plugins choose to load the stuff in and it, um, you know, or like the plugins themselves load in and it'll like break stuff by loading things before their dependencies are loaded. MinQ doesn't do any of that. They're really, really, really smart about it. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. I just went down a WordPress performance rabbit hole and that's not what we're talking about today. No, you know, but it's it's on topic. And I was asking you about kind of that WordPress world. Mm -hmm. Now, this is pointing out some interesting things because mm -hmm. I am going to ask you about what you think of what it takes to learn Word or JavaScript overall in a master mm -hmm. curriculum. But before we even get to that, mm -hmm. how many of these things can you really learn without maybe having a job doing this and then noticing it and having the background knowledge, because these are some, mm -hmm. some higher level tricky things that are definitely going to come up. Um, yeah. But it kind of raises that how much can you learn on your own versus when you have to be kind of employed or doing this work to figure these things out. Yeah. So I am, I don't a hundred percent know the answer to that question. I, I learned almost all of this, on my own, but through, um, through the community. So it's not like I just kind of figured this stuff out. <laughs> um, I remember one article that was really, um, really kind of sent me down this path. It's actually, so this, this is the impetus for my focus on web performance in general. Um, it's actually Dave Rupert um, uh, of Filament Group. Um, oh, cool, yeah. So I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, his blog is not WordPress powered, but he um, he wrote this really awesome article about, and I'm sorry, I just said he was a filament, but he's actually not. Um, uh, he is of um, uh, Paravel out in Texas. I'm sorry. Gotcha. Um, yep. I, filament came to mind because they're performance obsessed as well. Um, but so Dave Rupert, um, and actually I should have let that ride, but um, he, uh, so, so, um, <laughs> He accidentally called me the wrong name on one of his podcasts the other day. So it would have been a really nice kind of right back great, at you, That's great, great. But he, um, <laughs> so Dave wrote this amazing performance article um, that just really went into this deep dive about how he shaved like 50% off his page load time. Hmm. And it covered a lot of basics that just were, I had never heard of them before because I was not working with, uh, you know, in the field properly yet. I wasn't working as part of a larger team where people were kind of teaching me these things. Yeah. Um, and I just, I happened to read his blog. I stumbled across the article and um, it went really in depth on a lot of these best practices, but at a general level. And then as I was trying to apply them to my WordPress site, I'm like, well, I'm, you know, like mm. one of them was like, concatenate all your scripts. So combine all your scripts into a single file and all your CSS in a single file. I'm like, well, all my plugins are kind of, I don't have any control over how they do that. Yeah. So then I start going down the Google rabbit hole of like, well, how do you, how do you get around that? How do I force scripts to, 
to combine. And, and uh, yeah, so a lot of it, um, a lot of it is just like my Google foo is very good. Wow. What we can learn with good Google foo, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, but again, like I've spent an obnoxious amount of time doing this and, um, you know, like a more formal curriculum that teaches you this sort of thing would, would have been beneficial. So that is the perfect segue to, um, I know you have written some curriculums, especially with the vanilla JavaScript, but I want to ask mm -hmm. you in the context of, um, I'm sure you've heard the phrase of learn JavaScript deeply from Matt Mullenweg and, mm -hmm. and that, and what does that really mean? And maybe as much of for that you've written curriculum for, you could walk us through what you think that that involves starting at the beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, that means, a. Uh, uh, so the idea, of, I, I'll just, I'll tackle that at a high level first. So for oh, me, okay. learn JavaScript deeply means that, um, uh, so there's, there's two things and I don't, I don't necessarily, if you don't know vanilla JavaScript and you're still in the jQuery world, that's fine. Um, knowing that deeply though, means that um, for me, you don't have to solely rely on copy paste to get things done. Um, if you're at the point where you can head over to jQuery.com, pull up the docs, read them, and understand what they're telling you to do, that to me means you have a deep knowledge. Now, hmm. I really love when people have that knowledge without a library like jQuery, because I think you learn, um, like for me, I every now and then still have to write jQuery. And I write jQuery so much better than I did a couple of years ago <laughs> because I know vanilla JavaScript. So I know what's happening behind the hood yeah. or under the hood. I know um, <clears throat> behind the scenes under the hood, whichever your preference is. Um, I, I know that sometimes I can do this without using the jQuery function, like the native function will work just fine and has the same level of browser support. Um, the way I structure my jQuery plugins is dramatically different. I bet. Um, with a much greater focus on modularity and performance. Um, whereas, you know, like a lot of times, because like WordPress, actually, jQuery is one of those things that you can pick up really easily and just copy paste and, and go. Um, there's this tendency to write scripts that are very, um, uh, programmatic isn't the right word, but prescriptive. So, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do that. And you're literally writing the code in the order that you're doing the thing. Yeah. And you end up with maybe some repeated stuff because it's like, okay, and if this thing does that, run this code again. And, oh, I need you know, this again. Let's copy yeah. and paste it back down here. Yep. Yeah. And, and through working in vanilla JavaScript and then getting ripped apart with some of my open source stuff <laughs> in a very good way, like not in a malicious way. Like Todd was, was brutal with some of my code, but documented why he was doing what, what he did. Um, I learned how to be more modular, be more thoughtful, um, you know, learn how to break things up into little, little components that you can reuse as needed. Um, yeah. And, and that to me is what like a deep knowledge of JavaScript looks like. And it doesn't have to be vanilla. I think it's better when it's vanilla, but it doesn't have to be. Um, and even if you want to continue to use a library, I think learning vanilla will make you work in a library much better. Um, it also means like if you only know jQuery today and you, want to learn React because that seems to be a direction that WordPress is going in, for example, um, or, you know, like Backbone. Um, you, can, you can pick up those other languages more easily if you understand kind of how jQuery is doing things under the hood. Um, yeah. yeah, so for me, that's, um, I think that's kind of what, what knowing JavaScript deeply looks like. The way you get there is in small steps over time. So you're not just going to jump in and know it all at once. Um, you know, so I, um, I think for me, um, if you're starting like from nowhere, just kind of getting to a point where some of this jQuery stuff is, is muscle memory, or you're not just going to stack overflow and copy paste <laughs> is really important. And I think honestly, one of the best ways to do that is with just a couple of pet projects. So for people who are looking for ideas, um, here's a couple of really small ones you can dive into right now. Um, coming up with a script that allows you to click a link, toggle open some content, click the link again, hide the content. So like a read more, read less button. Um, toggle tabs is kind of a natural extension of that. So if you're already showing and hiding some content, how can you now have maybe like a list of links? And when you click them, they hide all the other stuff and show the one thing. 
Um, so that's kind of like, you know, the next progressive step after that. Um, so I'm trying to think of another couple of, like a really fun one for me was like, I am, um, there was a, a period where like the UX uh, community was really focused on the fact that passwords suck and masking them or requiring people to double type them is terrible. And so there was this whole slew of like, you know, you click a checkbox or you click a link and it shows your password yep. again to hide it. So I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's figure out how to do that. Um, uh, you know, um, and then you can just kind of like progress from there. Um, getting more and more complex. Another really fun one um, that forces you to kind of get a little bit deeper than just click a thing, do a thing, is like you have a couple of different content areas that are side by side and they're all different lengths and you wanna make them all the same height. Like maybe they all have like, you know, kind of like a colored background behind yeah. them. So figuring out how to loop through those items, figure out what height they should be and then make them that height um, as you start to dig a little bit deeper. Um, so I did all that and then I was like, I, I was like, you know, I know jQuery. I kind of want to learn how to do this without jQuery. Mm -hmm. So I took the, the starting point for me was I took my, my open source projects and I was like, well, let's convert this to vanilla JavaScript. And that was painful, <laughs> really painful. I didn't know about the Mozilla developer network at the time. If I did, I'm not entirely sure it would have helped all that much because hmm. it's really a lot of the articles are written by developers who know what they're doing for developers who know what they're doing. Yes. And yeah. today I can read those, but um, I know a lot of folks who are very comfortable with jQuery and the documentation and go to MDN and like, like, they're like, I don't understand what this means. Like there was a, uh, you know, a friend of mine on Twitter. He's like, can anybody explain to me how class list works? And class list is awesome. It's modeled Amazing. almost directly it. after the word or after the jQuery add class, remove class, toggle class functions. But the documentation was written in a way that's really oriented around like like I'm called real web developers, which I am not and was not. And not even um, just real de web developers, you know, but often ones with like, classical programming. Yeah, background I'm sorry. And that's more what well. I mean by yeah, that. It's like no, people, people who have like a computer science background yeah. or they've, you know, they've gone to school for it. So not self-taught people. I shouldn't say not a real, like I, I think I'm a real web developer and, and anybody who tells you you're not because you only know like CSS is, is the, I, I, I divert. Um, anyways, um, the, um, so that's a hot button issue for me as a real <laughs> developer. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, um, that was a lot of Googling, a lot of trying things, a lot of like, well, let me open this in another browser and make sure it works there. Um, and just this really painful process of trying to figure out like what works and what browser and how do you ensure kind of a consistent experience. And um, you know, like one of the things that makes jQuery so awesome is the consistency of the API. So everything follows this really simple structure of grab a selector, chain the thing you're gonna do to it, chain the next thing you're gonna do to it, chain the next thing you're gonna do to it, and continue. And with vanilla JavaScript, some stuff are functions that you pass elements into, other things are like, you know, you can take the, mm -hmm. the element and modify it by like attaching a class to it, jQuery style. Some stuff can be chained a couple layers deep, some can't. Um, there's just no, it's like a hodgepodge language. There's no real consistency to it, which makes it really difficult to learn yeah. relative to something like jQuery. And, uh, and yeah, but like, like just throwing yourself in is, is how I learned. Um, what I've tried to do with a lot of my, my stuff, and I, I, you know, I know Wes does this too. Um, I, I know you do this. Um, Brian Hogg does this with a lot of his stuff, but it's, um, it's taking, taking things like just in a really like nice step-by-step -step approach. So in, in, in my guides, like I, I start with like, let's start with the DOM basics. So how do you grab an element in the DOM? Mm -hmm. How do you like manipulate classes? How do you like add IDs and inline styles? Just a lot of the basic stuff that most people do with jQuery. Um, and then you just, you just go from there. So it's, you build in layers, like making a good sandwich, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm, I'm a little curious, uh, we haven't got too much in the world of frameworks. I know that you're more mm -hmm. focused on the mm -hmm. vanilla. Um, yeah. Are there reasons for this? Is it just because of the work you're doing doesn't really require or you're happy with where you are or have you? It's a few things. Or, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's a few things. So, um, so for me, the, I guess the couple of components here are most of the work I do um, 
you know, client work, personal projects, the kind of things I'm doing are just basic DOM manipulation. And mm -hmm. you can do that sort of stuff with React or Angular, but it's overkill. You just, you don't need it. You don't even need jQuery to do a lot of that stuff these yeah. days. And one of the things I always harp on is like jQuery 3 is, um, it's like, oh God, I, I looked it up. It's many thousands of lines of code and it's pretty heavy, even minified. Mm -hmm. And it has the same browser support as the, uh, the flavor of vanilla JavaScript that I teach people. So, um, you know, I focus more on uh, ES5 because it has further backwards compatibility. Yep. I don't really get much into ES6 um, because I, for people who write apps, I know they absolutely love a lot of the new stuff that ES6 offers. But for basic DOM manipulation, ES5 is um, it's a lot more familiar in the way it's structured if you're coming from like a jQuery background. And it mostly works all the way back to Internet Explorer 9, which is these days like just a phenomenal level of backwards compatibility. Yeah. Globally, that makes up less than, I think it's like 0.6% of all web traffic is on IE 9 and lower. And oh, so, wow. um, you know, so you get, you get broad coverage there. Um, the, um, the other piece, because I have occasionally built a web app, um, and, you know, you might naturally think like, Okay. Well, like, you know, one of them was like, I built a, uh, like a private Facebook photo sharing site for my family. Cause I thought that would be kind of cool to do. Um, I, um, I built it on top of WordPress. I didn't bother with a front end framework, um, for a couple of reasons. The first was I was just, I was more familiar with PHP and WordPress at the time. Um, but also WordPress handles a lot of the heavy lifting that, um, you would need to kind of bolt in yourself with some of these other things. So like hmm. a database managing user authentication, um, that's all just kind of handled by WordPress. And if you dive deep into the WordPress codex, you can find ways to build your own signup form, build your own kind of registration form. Um, I uh, actually wrote a, I have a plugin out on GitHub, uh, WordPress for web apps that kind of gives you some short codes for all this stuff, but you know, like, password recovery, you can, you know, force strict. And I know there's other plugins that do this too, but you know, so I was like, this is what I use to write my own web app. So I'm just, you know, give it away. Um, cool. But um, the other piece, and this is a lot more philosophical for me is I fundamentally disapprove of the way Angular in particular handles web development. Um, uh, and it's the same kind of beef I have with, with stuff like handlebars. Um, I just, I don't like, the idea that if a JavaScript file fails to load, you get a white screen. Um, I just, that, that fundamentally bothers me. Um, coupled with the fact that you're loading this massive file up front that, um, especially on not even like super old browsers, but on, you know, like devices from just a couple of years ago, takes forever to load and parse, um, provides a really kind of terrible upfront experience. And then, I know the argument is it's much faster once, you know, once it's loaded, it's like lightning fast, but yeah. um, <clears throat> I gotta be honest with the, with the WordPress optimizations I do, my pages are loading in about a second um, on a, on a cable device. So would they be faster with just like a pure JavaScript framework? Sometimes not always. So, you know, in instances where I'm like pulling in photos and videos and stuff like that's, that takes what it takes. Um, and I don't mind that extra round trip to the server because I've optimized the heck out of everything else. Hmm. Um, yeah. So for me, it's a couple of things. It's, it's just, it's convenience, um, familiarity, and uh, just like a deep philosophical dislike of the way certain frameworks handle things. And that latter one, I don't bring up much because it's contentious. It makes me sound like an old fart. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've got kind of this white castle, like the way Tim Berners-Lee decided the web should be is everyone should have access regardless. And, but I am really, I'm a progressive enhancement evangelist, even in my JavaScript. Um, and that's a big part of kind of the way I teach people JavaScript is like, if your file load fails to load, you should never have content that people can't get to. And there's, there's so many ways to, to get around that. Um, even if you're like doing the Ajax async thing and pulling in content from other places, you can make sure um, people always get to it. So just like a quick aside, like an example of that. Um, one, of the, um, one of the more popular paid plugins I have is um, for the Petfinder API. Um, so, you know, I, I work with a lot of animal rescues and um, the 
Pet Finder, they have like widgets where you can display your dogs on your website, but they're iframes. So they're non-responsive, they're kind of wide, they totally break mobile. And uh, there's no real good way around that. But they have a really archaic API. It hasn't been updated in years. It's super difficult to work with. It, um, it passes back data in very inconsistent ways. Oh dear. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so um, like if you have one dog, the data comes back in one format. If you have multiple pets, it comes back in a different one. Like it's just, it's a mess. So I wrote a, ironically, a JavaScript library that sits on top of it and kind of makes it easier to work with. And um, the problem with using a JavaScript library to handle this, of course, um, and I'd originally done this in WordPress and PHP, but then I had a lot of people who were like, like I'm on Wix, I'm on Squarespace, I, I wanna be able to use this, like what options do I have? So the problem with this, of course, is that if there's an error in JavaScript somewhere else on your site, mm -hmm. this file won't load because it just, JavaScript just dies and that's it, the whole thing. You know, it's a very fragile language. Or if I screwed up and I didn't account for one of the myriad of different things that could go wrong with the API and the data you get back. Um, like actually just recently I ran into a bug in, in my, my plugin where if you didn't have a description for your pet, I just assumed everybody would put descriptions for the pets they're trying to adopt. <laughs> if you don't have a description, WordPress or uh, PetFinder doesn't send that back as an empty value, they don't send it back at all. And I was calling a value in the JSON file that didn't exist or a key. So I threw an error and everything breaks. So, um, so what I always recommend for folks is, you know, like when you're going in and dropping all this content on your page, while you're waiting, have a link to your pet finder profile. So mm. if I'm on an older device or, you know, like whatever, they can go visit, you know, they can go visit your stuff on pet finder. Um, and, you know, as soon as the API starts working, it replaces that with a, like, we're really adorably, we're fetching a list of your pets. Um, you know, and then drops everything in and it's fine. But if for whatever reason that file breaks, people can still see your animals. Um, and you can do that with almost anything. So like my, my accordion, my, you know, read more, read less script. Um, that's just out of the box anchor links until the script loads. And then it hides everything and adds all kind of your fancy script and stuff. So that's, um, I went, um, I went a little off the rails on this one, Zach, and I'm sorry, no, but this, you know is, what? Uh, it's... this is for me why I don't get into frameworks though, because I, um, <clears throat> they, they can do a world of good, but they impose what I think are some really bad practices on the way people develop for the web. And these young whippersnappers have no idea how it used to be. So this is a good one for, for us to kind of mm -hmm. close out on because yeah. I could get old school teaching web standards and progressive enhancements and fallbacks mm -hmm. right there with you. There was a time when developers thought a lot about what happens when JavaScript doesn't load, what happens when something breaks, mm -hmm. how is this fully accessible? And a lot of that thinking over the years and definitely by the time we are now of the era of the frameworks mm -hmm is it's just been by and large accepted that it just won't work. And that's a whole discussion in itself. But what <clears throat> I like about what you're saying and the intelligence behind it is it doesn't take a lot of work to still give them something or to build your stuff in a way. So rather mm -hmm. than everything breaking that it um, being gradually enhanced as you go. And when you're writing at yeah. the vanilla JavaScript level, maybe if you're customizing WordPress themes, something to take into account. Now we're in the world of <clears throat> maybe we have to do some server-side deployment with our JavaScript and then we're writing, you know, node stuff to mm -hmm. compensate that. And there's a lot of discussion now around the API development of how should we be doing this? And mm -hmm. WordPress has made moves and has very passionate community about accessibility. So I think it's a good thing for us um, to end on. And I also think it's interesting that, you know, you've brought to the table a lot of you can learn deeply just using jQuery, you can learn deeply just with vanilla JavaScript. And we haven't even gotten into frameworks. And so much of the pressure I hear is, hey, when are you going to teach this framework? When are you going to do this with this and this with this? And I'm like, man, it's been a year and a half and I'm still teaching straight up JavaScript. And I got a lot more to teach you before I even want to begin explaining what React and what Angular and what Vue are doing. So uh, mm -hmm. I can definitely relate to where you're coming from with that. And I think it's a valuable uh, perspective for folks to hear. So yeah, <laughs> grateful for the tangent, a good one. Maybe we could uh, close out. You could tell us where can people find your le learning resources? What can they expect mm -hmm. to find on your site? And if there's um, other recommendations that you really want to make for uh, folks trying to learn 
this path as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the best way to, to kind of find my stuff is at go make things.com. Um, uh, the, um, I think the single best thing you can do is sign up for my daily developer tips. Um, so every day, really short email, um, just some, it's usually some JavaScript thing. Sometimes it's a little WordPress thing or some cool accessibility tool I found on the web. Um, but it's short, it's sweet. It's right in your inbox every morning. Um, you just read while you drink your coffee and then get on with your day. Um, if you want to dive more deeply into stuff though, um, I also have some, um, I call them pocket guides. Um, <clears throat> for a while I used to write these really long, big, deep guides. And I found for someone who was just learning, they were really overwhelming or intimidating. Mm. Um, so I broke things up into rather than the, here's absolutely everything you need to know. It's here's how to get started with a really focused topic. Um, they're, they're super short. You get in and you get out. They come with all the source code fully documented so you can open it up in a browser and play with it um, and actually see what's going on. And one of the things I'm starting to add now is um, kind of some projects to tie them all together. So nice. in the DOM manipulation one, like after you've read through, like here's the eight things you need to know. Now let's work on a little project together and actually tie this all together. Um, and, uh, and yeah, those are the two big ones. There's also a whole bunch of old articles there if you want. I mean, I shouldn't say they're old. I'm updating them every day. But um, if you want to kind of dig through some of the, the older stuff. Um, and then one thing I actually just threw up the other day is learn vanilla JavaScript in 10 minutes. There's a link to it down on the footer of my site. Um, but it's a, uh, just literally a YouTube video screencast of me building a super simple script in 10 minutes um, nice. I, with I vanilla like JavaScript. Um, I talk a little fast and go maybe kind of glaze over some stuff that I should dive deeper into, but I just want to show people that like, and that's the thing. I just want to show people like, look, this is like, it can be really intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. Let me show you that you, you can, even if you're a complete beginner, who's never touched jQuery or JavaScript before, you can do this. You can really do this. Um, so yeah, that's a go make things.com. That's where to find all the, all the goodness. Well, and your evidence of it, Chris, I mean, how how funny would it be to see yourself now on the show back when, when you were still copying and pasting stuff off Stock oh Exchange, God. right? Yeah. And I think that that's honestly the journey of a lot of us in this field. So I just mm -hmm. want to thank you again so much for the work you've done, for coming on the show, and uh, also for, for getting a little controversial at the end. This uh, old school web standards cat appreciates it. All the work you're doing with the animals all around, man. Just really grateful to have you on the show. Awesome. Zach, thanks for having me. This was a blast. You, um, you're a ton of fun. Thanks so much, Chris. Folks, thanks for tuning in. I encourage you to sign up and subscribe, whether on YouTube or iTunes. Check us out. And as always, keep on learning. <laughs>